0: it's time for jt the brick
1: i am jt the brick focused black hole getting in there ready to rock i got my a game i've been there with the raider nation in the black hole i've been in this rivalry i've seen it in my 24 years here it's a do or die game can't let them win in vegas protect the house protect the legion stadium be ready to go no half-ass effort you don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you.
0: JT the Brick.
1: I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show. Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis. The history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 Angry Men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game and now that's a hell of a motivational speech here's jt the brick out of the gate jt with you what a day today what a day the weekend is here man no pool parties no outside man i feel like i'm a weather reporter every hour here just another gloomy cold day is it snowing by you is it gonna rain it's just cold not good for golf not good for pool parties where uh, women swim up to you in the pool with bottles of vodka and bottles of Remy Martin. None of that. It's just a cold, eerie day here in Vegas. Too much of that, but I'm excited here to be on the radio as we're coming off Red Bolitnikoff's 80th birthday on the radio yesterday. How cool was that? The seven guests that have joined us yesterday, fantastic. And Freddie's going to join us in five minutes. So purposely we left Freddie off the show yesterday because... We wanted to hear from his friends, and Freddie was kind enough to text and say, hey, I'd like to do this. So we're going to talk to the legendary Fred Belitnikoff here in about five minutes. And if you'd like to continue, if you didn't get a chance to wish Freddie a happy birthday yesterday, as we're paying tribute to him, we're going to do this for Jim Otto. We're going to do this for Coach Flores, Jim Plunkett, Phil Piano. Whenever I get a birthday, AFL Godfather puts a birthday out there, and we know him. But we thought Freddie's 80th was a big one, so that'll come up here with Fred in a few minutes, so stick around for that. And then a good show. I got good conversations coming up. One I had yesterday with Rob Demoski, who's the Packers' number one beat writer. A conversation we'll play sometime next hour on the future of Aaron Rodgers as he's come out of the darkness. And the Raiders, not from the Raiders' perspective, not coming from the Raiders, but no doubt about it, the national media thinks Aaron Rodgers' landing spot, if it's not in Green Bay, it's going to be in Vegas, or with the Jets, that everybody has that, and we're just waiting for that. I got the newspaper in front of me, the Las Vegas Review Journal, and for the first time since the Raiders moved here, I believe there isn't a sentence on the Raiders. And I have my coffee in the backyard this morning. The Knights are golden at the finish. Golden Knights were great. Lady Rebels, a banner night. Durango High School rallies around the interim coach? Hold on a second. Oh, Bryce Harper progressing well in Vegas with his baseball rehab. NBA's homestretch with Todd Dewey. Air Force. Air Force presents a challenge for the Rebels. Where's the Raiders? What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> they, have an art, they have a blurb on the UNLV men's swim team that uh, notched two relay victories in the league finals. As Vince Lombardi would say, what the hell's going on out there? Did everybody take the Raider day off but me? Hey, we got some important Raider content we got to get to. Quarterback, 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 linebacker, 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 and I need a cornerback who can guard some of these Kansas City and Charger wide receivers. So the Raiders will be on the road to the combine where Dave Ziegler and his staff have been preparing around the clock, around the clock to make this happen. So with all of this, that'll be our content next week. I know Q is going to be all over it. He's going to be there, Vinny Bonsignor. We'll talk to him next week from there. And uh, hopefully we'll have some combine news and maybe some news from Aaron Rodgers. Because the news from Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be, is he going to stay or does he want to be traded? That's all we're waiting on. If he comes back from going into the darkness and tells Green Bay, his employer, that he wants to come back, then this party's over then the Raiders didn't have a shot at Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Whoa. I was hoping for a shot for both. More so Brady, but Rodgers is pretty damn good. If you take Rodgers and Brady off the table, then I got to start doing some more Jared Stidham and Jimmy G stuff here, baby. I got to get you. I got to start doing some Jimmy G, or we're going to talk about a draft pick and all that. So we're going to know something by next week after he sits down with McAfee or Something happens or he has that, as people say, come to God moment where he could say, you know, 18 years, 19 years, I want to end my career as a Packer, which I think that's probably the best thing to do for him. I really do. I think that's the best thing for him to probably do as a legend like Derek Jeter did with the Yankees and players who play with just one team. Johnny Unitas didn't play for one team. He went to the Chargers. Joe Namath went to the Rams. Peyton Manning went to Denver. Tom Brady went to Tampa. So it shouldn't be hard for Aaron Rodgers to go to another team. That shouldn't be hard to do. In the 50s, 60s, and 70s, that was a little bit difficult. Most guys stayed with their entire team until they were finished. So for Aaron Rodgers, I'd say 70-30, he he leaves. But we'll see what happens there. Freddie B turned 80 yesterday. had a great celebration with his wife. And now he's kind enough to join us on the flagship of the Silver and black. Fred, happy birthday, and uh, tell everybody how you spent your day yesterday. How are you? Uh,
0: well, I'll tell you how, how, uh, how, how good it was. I'm moving real slow today. <laughs> <laughs> All right? But uh, let me just say this, okay? You made it a very special day. You, and uh, I want to thank also Jamie Fritz. You know, you guys just, uh, you made, I don't know how many people have their 80th birthday like uh, like I had yesterday, but... It was it was fun listening to you. It was fun listening to the guys when they called in, uh, listening to what they had to say after all these years, and listening to uh, people from the Raider Nation calling, it, calling in. Uh, it, was just, it was just a special day. You know, we kept it low-key, and Angela and I went out to dinner early yesterday, and uh, it was a fun day for me. It really, awesome. really was.
1: I'm so happy to hear that. So we also heard from your son, Freddie Jr., yes. So we had a little family in there. That must have been cool. I never heard that story that he said walking with you after Super Bowl eleven and your MVP, holding your bag, walking on the field at the Rose Bowl. Wow, what a great story he told us yesterday.
0: Yeah, just the two of us. You yeah. know. And he was just a young kid at the time. And I uh after the game I took him to all the news uh, uh the interviews I was doing with the news people. I took him with me. We still have that picture. And uh, it was just a great day to be be with Freddie and have him by my side. It was just amazing.
1: So good. Fred Belitnikov joins us. So, you know, you hear from your friends and your family and on your 80th, and uh, that's an important milestone. Did you look back at your whole life up until now? Did we start at Erie and then uh, Florida State when we were talking about yesterday? You know, you look at your whole life when you get to your 80th, when you got to your 70th, and you look back. I mean, what a beautiful life, all the friends and family. And I want to begin talking about your family back in Erie because I know there's a field in your honor there and you're you're getting asked to go back there a lot for dedications and all that. Let's touch on Erie and what that portion of your life still means to you today.
0: Uh, Erie, Erie was fantastic. You know, to be able to grow up and uh, still have friends, thank God a lot of them are still alive, that I went to school with, that I played against, and uh, still have great friends today and just a whole community with uh, so many diverse ethnic groups growing up, in, the, in that atmosphere was, was terrific. And seeing Erie grow and improve with a lot of things, and, you know, like you said, we're, we're trying to get this uh, field done uh, yeah. where I went to high school with these kids, so we we're going to be able to do that with the help from the school district. So it's gonna be a, a great event in May for us and I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to going back there and visiting with everybody and just having a great time.
1: You know, it's, the Eerie, it's
0: gonna be super really yeah. something that we've been working so hard on.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited really about that. Around. Yeah, that's gonna be an exciting portion, of that dedication. You know, one more thing on the Erie years is that now I remember the conversations that we had, similar to my dad, of getting up at the crack of dawn and playing sports until it got dark, and coming home and getting that meal. And your household was no different than that era at that time. You can play sports as much as you want, but you got to get home for dinner. You got to eat. You got to fuel yourself and sit down at that family uh, kitchen table.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I will tell you what. You know, when you know at that period of time, you know. Everybody played everything. It's not so much like that now anymore, but back then everybody played football, baseball, basketball, track, whatever, whatever was, uh, whatever sport was coming around. Everybody participated in, and uh, that really made you know growing up there so much better and so much more fun because you know you had a lot of interaction with everybody in the city as far as athletics go at different schools, which made it uh, made it a treat. Made it a real treat for me and a lot of great memories, you know, with all the basketball games, the football games, track, baseball. And it was just fun. It was just a, a great place to be born.
1: Yeah. I, know, I know when you go back to the Tallahassee Club and you go back to Florida State, share with us the friends that you kept from, you know, your freshman year all through Florida State before you went to the Raiders and how important that group that you still have with you and their kids and grandkids mean to you in Tallahassee.
0: Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I got so many friends in Tallahassee. You know, I'll be going down there in May. Uh, I go back every year. We do a fundraiser for uh, a daycare center for single moms where they don't have to pay anything uh, to drop their their child off so, they, so they're able to work. So we've been doing that for a great number of years. And uh, Richard at the fourth quarter, who puts on the golf tournament every year, and the people that participate in it every year, uh, it's just been terrific over the years. And seeing everybody and being able, to, uh, just being able not only to go to the event, but then staying over for three or four days and being able to take a drive and see the rest of Tallahassee, how it's grown, how the campus has grown, and the stadium uh, brings back a lot of memories. But I really look forward to going back there and seeing everybody.
1: Fred Bolidnikov for celebrating his birthday yesterday. You know, I was thinking you're such a young guy when you leave Tallahassee. And Mr. Davis brings you out to Oakland. How big of a deal was that? San Francisco, Oakland, the Bay Area at that time. It's such a enormous footprint, such a big area. And you don't have your family with you from the area or you or a lot of your teammates. So how did you navigate through getting a house and figuring out where to live and the bank accounts and setting it up and all that signing? You're out there by yourself starting your life. How intimidating was that?
0: Well, living in apartments, that's the first thing, and not making that much money at that time, so really trying to save up to buy a home, which took us a few years. But, uh, you know, that's where you, you, you count on your, on your family to really hold you up for what you're busy doing, playing, and uh, gone all day and the weekends and uh, everything that you really don't have to touch on anything of the reality of life. Your family picks that up for you, and I had a great, a great support group all, all, all the years, and being able to have them have my back and doing everything and letting let me able to play football and not have to worry about too many things uh, other than football.
1: Yeah, I never asked you this. What were those early road trips like on the airplane with the Raiders going cross-country? That's something also new to you. I know you traveled to Florida State and from Erie down there, but I'm talking about big travel with an NFL team and getting on a plane to go back east if you had to play the Jets or a team like Baltimore. How big was that and traveling with all your teammates and friends? That must have been a party.
0: (laughs) Well, More than once. <laughs> sure. and no, you know, at that time, you know, we were still the AFL. And we went right from training camp right to the airport and we would go on a two-week road trip. So we might leave like Friday on training camp and go down to Miami, play Miami, then fly up to Boston, stay there all week, play against Boston, and then fly over to Buffalo, stay there all week. And uh, after the game, would fly back home. But you know, we had the opportunity to be around each other. I mean, that's who you have. That's who you're traveling with. That's who you, that's who your friends are. And that's why, um, it, from when I was a young kid, starting with the Raiders till uh, I was the old guy, we had a great camaraderie with everybody, you know, and all those trips when I was younger, uh, really meant a lot because you were able to do a lot of things together as a team, as, as friends and really develop a good relationship with everybody on the team. It was fantastic.
1: You know, Freddie, as we wrap it up, there's a big topic now about the All-Star Games, and the NBA is a joke, and they've taken the Pro Bowl – and now the pro bowls flag football uh, the afl nfl all-star game the college football all-star game against the nfl can you share with our listeners how important those games were the passion behind not only wanting to compete but to train for those games and want to win those games compared to the culture we see now with these all-star games
0: well you you know what at that at that time you know when when you got when you got picked to be in the all-star game like my my first AFL All-Star game was down in Jacksonville. And uh, you're, with a week, you're spending a week together. I mean, I, my, my roommates were Dave Costa and Bobby Bell. And uh, we're, you know, uh, the, the West, you know, the West against the East. And uh, it, it was fun. The, you yeah. know, the practices were good, hard. And when you played the game, you, you played the game. I mean, it was like you're playing a playoff game. And uh, uh, it went like that for a number of years, a great number of years, you know, till, till it started getting, uh, I guess, out of hand a little bit. But, you know, just to be on the All-Star team and be able to be picked, to be on the All-Star team is, is, is great for any athlete in any sport. You know, that's, that's the ultimate for you, to be able to, to say you were on that All-Star team or you got picked uh, for that All-Star team. And the guys you get the chance to spend the time with that you really never do get a chance with from other teams is really special. It really creates a a very tight bond for you throughout your whole life.
1: And, Freddie, the last football question. Dave Ziegler was on a podcast the other day, and I I liked what he talked about Devontae. Said he shows up wearing his Nike gear, but he could be in a three piece suit with a briefcase because he treats every day like a business. He comes in and he works, works, works on his craft. He's such a pro. And a lot of that goes back to you and, and your legacy and the way you worked and prepared for every practice. We had, you know, you heard yesterday, all your teammates were talking about your work ethic and what you did after practice. What, what can be relatable to our audience now about what a receiver should be doing in the offseason right now on this calendar with the combine here and then the draft coming up? But as a veteran, how did you keep yourself sharp in the offseason? Because you had to have a job. You had multiple jobs to bring in money, <laughs> but you had to find a way to work out and work on your craft.
0: Well, you know, you know what? I always looked at the offseason, uh, even when I was young and starting and we had to get jobs in the offseason. But taking the time. But learning that uh, if you want to have and, and perform in the upcoming season, you can't let months go by. You got to do something every single day. And you may start off a little slower at the beginning of the off season, but then you start building just before you get to training camp because we didn't have off season programs. So you know it was always working on fundamentals because mm-hmm. I'm a true believer in fundamentals uh, in every sport because that's that's where you learn how to play. That's where you learn that you can teach yourself when you're fundamentally sound and you spend your life doing that. I mean, it's a big plus and to hear about Devante going in and doing that, I mean, uh, kudos to him because mm-hmm. uh, you got, you're in a business. This is your business. This is your livelihood. You know, it's not a sport anymore. It's a business, yeah. you know, and uh, you can look at it as a sport, as a player, but the main thing is you've got to go out there and perform. And the more time you spend in that offseason, if you get that opportunity by yourself, you can teach yourself so many things and learn so much, you know, and just uh, give, make yourself fundamentally sound. Because you can always go back and correct yourself if you know what you're doing out there, working out or on the field, if you make a mistake. That's, that's, the, that's what I found out uh, when I was doing all that, my years of playing.
1: It's the Fred Bolitnikov Hall of Fame. Invitational Canyon Gate Country Club, Uh April 24th, coming up again. So for foursomes, the information on Facebook, all the social media that we'll be working with. But again, you moved this from the Bay Area and your backyard, and now you're back at Canyon Gate, and everybody has a great time. I want to make sure you get an opportunity to tell everybody how important this is as it benefits the Bolitnikal Foundation in the memory of Tracy and how it's great to get everybody and your peers together for this tournament again.
0: Well, it's big for us. You know, it was a big move. Uh, we have, we're playing at a great place at Canyon Gate. The people there are super. They're unbelievable. I love them. Uh, and most important, Angela loves them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's important for us because we keep our foundation going for a great number of years. Uh, we've been a steady force moving forward all the time. And now we're teaming up with St. Ju- St. Jude's Ranch for Children. Uh, down there in, in Las Vegas, and we're going to be able to participate with them with building a Tracy's Place of Hope there and getting involved with that. So, you know, all the money we're raising now down there in Las Vegas with the crab feed, with the golf tournament, and hopefully we uh put on a, a few more other fundraising uh, events. But uh, this is where all that money's going. So we've made it one point when we move down there, the money's going to stay there. We're going to do something in there, and Angela was visionary enough to be able to meet with these people from St. Jude's and get us involved and letting us take another step for another Tracy's Mm -hmm. Place, I hope. So I hope we get a great turnout. Uh, There's still a lot of foursomes that we could sell, Mm -hmm. and it's going good. It's going really good, and we're excited about it.
1: Absolutely. And we'll sell some foursomes here on the radio and tell everybody about it. Enjoy. Uh, the I got buddies that like to have like birthday weeks and half birthday months and all that. I know you're big on the night of your birthday, but enjoy it because it was on a Thursday. You're going into Friday. Keep the birthday train going for all of us. OK, <laughs> I'll
0: do that. OK, you take care. And again, thanks so much for a special day and thank everybody that participated yeah. that came on a show. I love you guys. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Fred. There he is, Fred Bolitnikoff. How cool is that? So, uh, Freddie was really touched by that. And you, the fans of the Raider Nation who wished him on social media, he sees that. Listening on the radio is his 80th birthday. So that really made my heart full this week as we sit here and we, you know, I was just talking to you about there's no Raider content in the local paper and everybody's kind of stealth and quiet with the Raiders, and we don't know what's happening, and listening to podcasts and trying to figure out, and Vinny's checking out his mailbag, and he's answering your questions on his show. I'll take your calls on the Raiders, tell you what I think they could do, what they might do, and all of that. But uh, it was great that we had Freddie's 80th birthday party because that was fun on the radio. And all that content will be up at Raiders.com. Bobby's putting together a special kind of recap of everybody who called in yesterday from... George Atkinson, Phil Villapiano, James Lofton, uh, there's this Tim Brown who I'll be with tonight, all the guys who checked in, Raymond Chester, one of Fred's dear friends, so that was really cool, and the people at the Raiders who helped us along the way, Jamie Fritz getting us some of those Hall of Fame, so thanks to everybody with that. As we bring you the monologue, which is brought to you by P.T.'s, best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m., and there is a lot more happening uh, heading into this show here a couple of interviews coming up this hour and this hour is kind of wide open i want to spend some time with the golden knights vgk that was a hell of a win i'm fired up and for those raider fans that haven't called in on Freddie's birthday fred just called in he wasn't with me he called in so you can call in right it's not, if an 80 year old legend can call the raider flagship on time Right on time at 12.05, you can do that too. We can get you up at 702-365-9200. The calm before the storm of free agency. What's going to happen with free agency? What's going on with free agency? What about the combine? Do you love yourself a rookie quarterback? I love a rookie quarterback if I know they're going to be Patrick Mahomes, right? I love a rookie quarterback if I know he's going to turn into Ben Roethlisberger you love a rookie quarterback with the last pick in the first round if his name is Lamar Jackson. I don't know about Levis. I don't know about these other guys at seven. Uh, I'm thinking the best quarterback is Bryce Young, and that someone's going to trade up with Chicago to take him at number one. Maybe Chicago takes him and walks away from Justin Fields. Seems like Indy is 100% getting a quarterback. They could move up or wait and get a quarterback there. So the two quarterbacks who I think are a slam dunk, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, the same way you would have drafted Mahomes. You didn't know Mahomes would be a Hall of Famer, but you felt pretty good about him. These two guys are right in the Mahomes category coming out of college. Actually, they played at a higher level than Patrick Mahomes in college. They did. And they're going to go one, two, three, or 4. And the Raiders with the seventh pick overall could trade up to one, two, three, or 4. But a lot of Raider fans don't want to lose out. They don't want to give up draft picks to move and do that. And I get all that. So those are a couple of things we're talking about. As we open up the show. So let's hear from you on the other side. Maybe another birthday wish or two to Freddie. And uh, any concerns you have about what's happening now with Aaron Rodgers coming out of the darkness. My conversation with Rob Damoski is going to come up next hour. I spoke to him yesterday with Danny Cannell. And a lot of the interview had to do with Aaron Rodgers potentially landing in Las Vegas. Or the Jets, which is a super topic going on here in the offseason. It's a fun topic. Because when you hear the Raiders associated with a potential free agent quarterback or a trade and this this Lamar Jackson thing's getting crazy today I got up this morning and everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson he could be in a standoff with Baltimore well, if he gets franchise tagged would you make a trade for him you got to come up with about 200 million guaranteed 200 million guaranteed But he'd be set for life from 26. Would you like Lamar Jackson to be a quarterback in Las Vegas from 26 years old to 35? I guarantee you, he puts you in a lot of big playoff games and maybe a Super Bowl. Can Aaron Rodgers have another Super Bowl run left? Or does a rookie getting developed with a bridge quarterback seem like the place to go? 702-365-9200. Thanks to the monologue and PTs. When we come back, hopefully we'll hear from you. And I'll get into VGK's win last night, which... I thought it was massive, really an important win at home coming off that awful loss in Chicago, and they could have got blasted by Calgary, and they fought hard to the end to win at the Fortress. That's some good home cooking there. JT, Friday brought to you by Modelo and the fighting spirit of that great cerveza.
2: This will take us to the finish line. The Lakers back-to-back wins. One before the break, one coming out of the break to 28-32. 28-32 and, 32.
1: 28 and 32 for the Lakers. JT, back with you. Brought to you by M Resort Spawn Casino, the official team hotel of the silver and black. I like what the Lakers did at the trade deadline, getting rid of Beverly and Westbrook. Uh that was a must for them to try to make a run here, but they're out of the playoffs trying to play in the play-in tournament. I think the Lakers are scheduled pretty tough, and I expect them to win some games here. They have to. The the comparison between LeBron and Jordan is such an important comparison in sports right now because some some people are delusional. They can't have the debate. Like you cannot have this debate, LeBron versus Jordan, which we should be able to do. We should be able to compare Barry Bonds and Babe Ruth. We should be able to compare you know, Alex Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky. doesn't matter what era you played in. Who cares? I can compare Pete Rose to Tony Gwynn or any other hitter, Mike Trout. We're all sports fans. We should be able to do this. But if LeBron misses the playoffs in back-to-back years, that's going to hurt part of his legacy with Jordan. A lot of times you can't win a championship if you don't have a great team. No one ever talks about the fact that Michael Jordan missed the playoffs a number of times or got beat in the playoffs, got beat in the playoffs, and didn't go to the NBA Finals. What's more important, Michael Jordan getting beat in the Eastern Conference Semifinals or LeBron losing in the NBA Finals? Well, you talk to some delusional Jordan fans. They're like, well, he's 6-0. and He never lost. He's 6-0. and No, no, you're missing my point. He lost. He didn't get to the NBA Finals, but you don't count that. You think it's okay that he didn't get to the Finals because he lost earlier and you don't hold it against him. But you can't miss the playoffs in this era. This era is a bleeping joke. They have a play-in tournament for teams that might not make it in. They have a loser's bracket before the playoffs begin to try to get a team with a terrible record in the playoffs. I've never seen anything like that before. So LeBron's got to giddy up here a bit and get going with Anthony Davis. And I think the team it's going to look a little bit better here in the second half. The only problem with that, the only problem with that is that they got a big problem with this, because they play in the West and the West is tough, and the Warriors aren't playing well, and Denver's really good. But if the Lakers can trick us all into playing really good here over the next month and get in, every Laker fan's going to think LeBron and Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell and who, the rest of this team can get hot in the playoffs and knock off a one or two seed. There is a chance they can do that because of LeBron and Anthony Davis. 702 365 Hardcore Raider checking in. We appreciate that. Start us off today. What's happening?
3: Hey, JT. Uh, I just want to give a big shout-out to Freddie and uh, just tell him happy birthday. And You know, it always amazes me. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. But just, you know, how many of these greats uh, over time, like, mm-hmm. they may have had talent, but their work ethic was just, like, it was so, like, inspiring i think to me and my generation it's like my grandpa was tougher than Mm -hmm. my dad's generation i think my generation's tougher than the newer cats coming out but um you know we live in a society with a lot of self-entitled people Mm -hmm. um that haven't exactly always earned their paycheck but if you look at these old school raider guys no matter how talented they were the greats like freddie tim brown their work ethic was just it's night and day difference in my opinion versus uh, a lot of the guys out now now i'm not saying guys don't work hard mm. but it just i wish there was more guys like freddie bill romanowski the tim browns where they were they were confident in themselves but they worked harder than anybody else out there and mm. then last nugget i'm just going to say i do think that henning hooker is the best quarterback in this draft i know that's a uh, far-fetched to some mm. people but him and will levis are the only quarterbacks that started all all four years and if henning hooker's knee gets healthy He's going to be a super stud in the NFL, and I think he'll be better than all these other quarterbacks. Yeah, the, so look, uh, look,
1: look. Before you go, I would say that's very interesting yeah. too. He's 25 years old. You know that Bryce Young's 21 not, years that's, old. C.J. Stroud is 21. Levis is 23. Hendon Hooker's 25 years old. Which
3: yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. He's going yeah. to be on a sorry. He's going to be on a rookie deal, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going sure. to be cheap. You're in your you're in your prime, 26 to 31. That means mm-hmm. you got a guy that has experience. He should be able to be develop and learn the playbook better, and he's got more years of experience. All these other guys have two or three years. Everybody's crowning them like mm-hmm. they've done something special and they've worked for organizations that, yeah, you better be good if you're playing for Ohio State. They've got a lot of talent. Same with uh, mm-hmm. Alabama. they got a lot of talent. You better be pretty darn good, but they don't have the four years of experience with lack, you know, mm-hmm. less talent that Hen and Hooker had. So, mm-hmm. uh Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. But that's no, my good. I. I picked Jalen Hurts along with Q a few years ago. And look at Jalen Hurts now. Sure. Aaron Hooker is my Jalen, Jalen Hurts pick.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm happy you called in on that. And Q saying that too. And if you listen to me, I was at Oklahoma with my son in the crowd watching Jalen play. And Jalen play with Oklahoma. And I think he's a stud. And I was with my son at Oklahoma watching Caleb Williams, who will be the number one pick last year. And I was in the crowd, you know, so I've seen these guys play at Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts and I was on him, too. But I didn't think Jalen Hurts would be this good this quick because and again, I saw Jalen Hurts lose in Las Vegas to the Raiders. I I know you're paying attention and I really appreciate it. But if you listen to me over the last couple of years, there's been a couple of things I pointed out. Cincinnati and Philadelphia. Cincinnati came to Las Vegas and beat the Raiders. They just played poorly. Cincinnati beat the Raiders in Cincinnati in the playoffs where the Raiders had first and goal at the nine. I believe that was the biggest flaw that I've seen in Derek Carr's entire career ever. And again, I didn't hold it against Derek personally. I don't play football. He does. I report on football. Derek had first and goal at the nine with the inability not to scramble and run it in from nine yards out, or the inability not to get the ball to Waller three times in a row, three times in a row in the end zone, even on a 50-50 ball, and Waller's the biggest human being on the planet in that building that day. Okay? That's one of the reasons why this didn't work with Derek Carr, who's a hell of a player and a very good quarterback. I didn't have, never had Derek at elite, and I never had Derek pass the 12th or 13th quarterback. So you know you get him, you get Derek in that ten to twelve spot. That's good enough to win a Super Bowl. But when it when it comes to Hooker or wh- wh- whoever these guys are, the Raiders need mobility. Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Wilson is a beast running the football. He had a bizarre year. I'm going to get into him next hour. Okay, he had a throwaway year. I don't know what happened. I think it's a lot to do with him mentally. Mahomes is the greatest running quarterback in big games I've ever seen. Vic never played in big games like that. He, and Lamar Jackson, Mahomes number one. The Raiders have got to get mobility out of the quarterback position. If we can go back in the hot tub time machine, I give you Derek Carr in Cincinnati first and goal at the nine. If it was Mahomes, I'd run him four plays in a row. I'm dead serious. I mean, Kelsey is your option. You go to Kelsey, but Mahomes in the shotgun running right twice, left once is going to have fourth and goal at the one-inch line. Or he probably scores on second down. The Raiders haven't had that ability. So when we saw Jared Stinnum running outside the pocket, running a bit, and also taking hits in this playbook of Josh McDaniels, I was very encouraged by that in that game against San Francisco. But whoever the Raiders get, I hope the quarterback is more mobile and wants to run, not run recklessly, but run correctly, because the Raiders haven't had that for a long time. Rich Gannon was great at it. Tell you about Rich Gannon. Uh, Rich Gannon was a journeyman quarterback with a lot of upside and the fact that they found him and John Gruden and Mr. Davis and what they were able to do with Rich Gannon. Rich ran. Rich ran like he was running for his life with the silver and black across his chest. The Raiders need a quarterback that has that ability to run and save the day. And Cincinnati, they you know Joe Burrow doesn't run a lot. Jalen Hurts is a beast as a runner, but... Jalen Hurts came in here and the Raiders pummeled the Eagles 30 unanswered points. With Eric Allen and I, that was one of our favorite post-game shows because Eric was a legend at Philadelphia, more so than the Raiders. And he had a bunch of family in town. And they had a bunch of family in town because, you know, he works for the Raiders. He is a Raider. But a lot of them are Eagle fans. I remember that post-game show as the Raiders pummeled Jalen Hurts and the Eagles in that game, and now they're a Super Bowl team. Why can't the Raiders turn it around the way Cincinnati and the Eagles did? That's my hope. Why wouldn't I hope that? I just saw Cincinnati doing it and the Eagles do it. Cincinnati's gone to two AFC championship games and a Super Bowl. Reminds us of the Raiders in the early 2000s, and Philadelphia looks like they're going to be loaded for quite some time. Uh, let's get out to Phil in Long Island, where I'm born and raised. Whereabouts, Phil? How are you?
3: It's actually Paul from Beth Paul, Page.
1: Paul and Beth Page. You know I'm from Farmingdale High School, which bordered to Beth Page. All right.
3: Fantastic. I know. Kt, uh, small question.
1: Oh, Bobby, watch this guy because I sense I sense the voice. Go ahead, Paul. Quick question. Go ahead.
3: You know, why doesn't everybody go for like a Jimmy G? I got. Before, listen to my theory first. He's he's mobile, good arm. He's a winner if he doesn't get hurt, and if he does get hurt, who's got the best facility in the league? The Raiders. Okay,
1: oh, a facility, thanks for the call, Paul. A facility won't do anything to get a guy healthy. All the facilities and trainers get the guys healthy. Look, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is really a good option for the Raiders because he wins a lot. He knows the playbook great. He makes good throws. He makes really good throws. He can make every throw. He's not that mobile, but he's very mobile in the pocket. He's got tremendous footwork. The way he pivots and steps up in the pocket. One of the things that Jimmy Garoppolo does as good as any quarterback in football is he looks off the safety in the corner. He's very good at that. He'll look one side of the field and then he'll throw underneath to a wide open player. And that's part of the Brady system of Josh McDaniels. Now, how was Brady so good under Josh McDaniels? Did they have better players? I mean, that's open for debate. Their offensive line. Did they have legendary Hall of Famers? No, they had very good guys but not super elite. They, they trained them to be better players than their draft status. Did they have other than Randy Moss, Edelman, they had the great slot receivers, but their other receivers were not as good as Devontae. Waller's great. Gronkowski's better. But what Brady was able to do was to throw to the wide open receiver. And from studying the Josh McDaniels years as a coordinator with six Super Bowls, what always fascinated me about Brady is he never threw into coverage. They just didn't. Guys were wide open because Brady saw the play. Josh McDaniels developed the play with him, and they knew how to check out of the coverage and go to the guy who was wide open. Jimmy Garoppolo can do that for Josh McDaniels. He really can. Jimmy Garoppolo could be that guy who could click instantly with Josh McDaniels' playbook and say, oh, yeah, I love this playbook. This is the playbook I was most comfortable with, even more so than Kyle Shanahan's playbook, and get everybody going. Is he super? You know, I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is much better than Derek Carr, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of Raider pushback from the nation when they say, "Well, why'd we get rid of Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo?" Because the Raider brass doesn't have confidence that they can win with Derek Carr. That shouldn't hurt anybody's feelings anymore. It doesn't hurt David Carr's feeling on NFL Network. He said it. If it bothered Derek, it would bother me too because I think Derek believes he can do everything perfect or right or trained to do it right. But the powers that be here in Las Vegas don't think they have a chance to win with Derek at the level they want to win at. I don't know how much better Garoppolo is. I would assume assume that they're more confident with Garoppolo's skill set and winning mentality than they were with Derek, and they could make all the same throws. Got to be smart. The big term we're going to hear in the offseason is how smart these players are. How smart are they on defense mostly to make good decisions and to make quality reads and plays and get off the field? The defense needs smarter players who can do better things. In the offense, you would assume who's ever going to be the quarterback for the Raiders is going to be a pretty smart guy, right? you will be someone that Josh McDaniels will put his name on it, put his name on it and say, I'm going with him. He might not be perfect, but I believe he's smart enough to handle my system and excel in my system. And to get a young quarterback to do that as a rookie who's never played in the NFL, better have confidence in that kid, better be ready to go, better be ready to look at Josh McDaniel's playbook and say, I got this coach, I'm going to make some mistakes, but I'm going to get better and better each day. It's a very interesting time. Coming up, arguably the richest man in the world is taking a look at an NFL team. We'll tell you who that is and what could happen here and how it could affect everything. Yeah, that music was pretty loud, Bobby, on that brand-new board. There you go. That brand-new board I love. JT on a Friday. Thanks to Tommy White and the 872 laborers who build this city quickly and on time. We appreciate Tommy White.
2: Eichel plays it low to high, Theodore sliding right, passing left, Eichel at the circle, he shoots, he scores!
1: Whenever Jack Eichel scores, that's our Golden Knights flagship station, it's really important. He's one of the premier goal scorers in hockey. He hasn't lived up to his expectations yet, but they traded for him with a massive injury that he rehabbed here, and now he should be good to go. And I'm not saying he's got to be McDavid of Edmonton. But he's got to play right behind that level. Jack Eichel was brought here to win Stanley Cups or at least help Mr. Foley in this franchise get one. So he's got to be able to do it. And I think Eichel getting a goal here and there, setting up someone in overtime, doing something great, is really important so that made it two to one but then calgary came right back and i thought vgk was in deep trouble trailing three one
2: flames with a left circle draw the rim around comes counterclockwise, and a shot that was tipped by the shoulder of brossois it's in and calgary re-establishes a two-goal lead late in the second period michael Backlin, the tip at the side of the net calgary three vegas one 326 to go in the second
1: so that was a big moment in the game because you could hear it in the crowd there at the Fortress. They're down 3-1. to one. You need two to tie, and then they just started chipping away. This vegas Golden the team at home has got to do more of this. When they're down, the game isn't over. They had plenty of time to come back. Here's the White Cloud goal.
2: Matteo played the big body of Milan Lucic. Pucked through center, and Smith down the right board. Center shot. They score! The ever-patient Zach White Cloud. And the Knights within a goal.
1: That was really big. That was huge right there. They needed that. Then they're playing a one-goal game, so you can pull the goalie, whatever it's going to be. And the carrier goal, what a year he's having. This is a star on this team this season that comes through again in the clutch.
2: This is Phil Kessel. But Stevenson busts through, gets the puck. Center to shot. Kicks save. Rebound new. loses, in. Now Martinez shot. rattles around. They score. William Carrier. He has tied the game in the crease. William Carrier puts it home from just feet away. The Knights, down two goals earlier this period, have tied at 3-3. 7.24 to go.
1: So that was a really big point at that time. Calgary hit the crossbar. They could have won the game. And then we end up going to overtime. And I thought this was just great. As they were swarming, Calgary made a line change. And VGK took advantage.
2: He goes behind the net. Eichel already with a goal today. He'll skate intentionally to the neutral zone, all the way back to his own blue line. Now he turns up ice. Calgary changing three on two across the line in the middle. Marciazo he hits the crossbar. It's in the goal. Jonathan Marciazo in overtime. Vegas four. Calgary three.
1: That's the game winner there. VGK two critical points here. So. To put to dip the show in reality for everybody here, and I, again, I know we don't have elite, you know, so many hockey fans here, but I'm talking hockey, especially look at your watch, look at the calendar. Vegas is in first place in the entire Western Conference. How about that? Your Vegas Golden Knights, 35-18, and 18, 75 points. That's three over Dallas, three over Edmonton, three over Los Angeles, and four over Winnipeg. So that is a big time deal here as we look at this overall. So Vegas is right where they need to be. I think the critical factor this season will be getting back Mark Stone. And again, the clarity on that injury, as we always ask about it, what's going to happen if he could come back for the playoffs, even the second round of the playoffs, whatever it is. If I I don't think I see him ruled out for the year. If I'm wrong, please correct me at JT the brick. But with the Vegas Golden Knights now, they have the seventh best record, excuse me, the sixth best record in hockey. The only team with more than 90 points is the Bruins at 93. What a year they're having. 44-8. and eight. Oh, my God. For Boston. Then it's Carolina, New Jersey, Toronto, Tampa Bay, then Vegas. And we just saw Vegas beat Tampa Bay. I was at that game. So all the Eastern Conference teams seem to be better, but only one's going to come out of the East. That's the good news. doesn't matter how good the Bruins, the Canes, the Devils, the Leafs, the Lightning are. Only one can make it to the Stanley Cup final. And Vegas is on top of the West, so hopefully that'll help out. And one more thing before the top of the hour. Here's Eric Bieniemy, who finally became an assistant head coach. He's with the Washington Commanders. Jeff Bezos, I think he's the richest man in the world with Elon Musk. From time to time, there's one other telephone uh, Latino conglomerate that has that money too. But Bezos is looking to buy the Commanders. I think that Snyder's going to be out sooner than later. Here's Eric Bieniemy on his new contract.
2: Coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Okay, being a head coach, that's something. If that's to happen, it'll take care of itself. We've had a great deal of success. We've, we've won, what, five straight AFC championship games. Three out of four Super Bowls, two out of those, we won. So being the head coach right now, it hasn't happened. It's not anything that's gonna impact me moving forward. Because the only thing I need to concern be concerned with, it's what's important today. Today, I got to be the best person that I can be. I got to be the best coach that I can be. And on top of that, I got to get these guys in this building to learn to trust me, to get to know me, but also understanding what the term accountability means. I have to be accountable to these men. All right. So, all that stuff about being a head coach, we can talk about that next year sometime. Right now, I'm focused on the job at hand.
1: That's a great soundbite. And Charles Woodson, our Hall of Fame legend, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey an hour ago, said, yeah, but he doesn't interview well, so that's that, sarcastically. Why did it take Eric Biennemi this long? And he's still not a head coach. Five straight championship games, three out of four Super Bowls, winning two of them, and he's still not a head coach. As the two coaches who were coordinators on the losing Philadelphia Eagles team in the Super Bowl got head coaching jobs over Biennemi. I'm happy that Tyreek Hill and Eric Biennemi are out of the AFC West with the Raiders. I know it's Andy Reid's team, but chip away. Chip away at that Kansas City team for sure. We appreciate that. All right, one more hour to go. A couple of conversations, including my conversation with Rob Demosky from Green Bay. He's the backer insider as we're still trying to connect the dots, potentially, for Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. That's coming up next hour as we continue. Brought to you by our great friends at Resorts World.